From his first job flipping burgers at McDonald's and delivering the Washington Post, Craig Willett counts only one and a half years of his adult life working for someone else. Welcome to the Biz Sherpa Podcast with your host, Craig Willett, founder of several multi-million dollar businesses and trusted advisor to other business owners. He's giving back to help business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs achieve fulfillment, enhance their lives, and create enduring wealth. The Biz Sherpa. This is Craig Willett, the Biz Sherpa. Welcome to today's episode. I'm excited for today's episode because I think we're gonna learn from a different perspective. I have a special guest today and he's gonna help us understand accidental success. He's trained in Chinese medicine and acupuncture. Robert Kogadal, good friend. Welcome, Robert. All right, thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you today. I, I'm excited to hear a little bit of your story. Maybe you can tell us a little bit your training and your background and then how you ended up in Scottsdale, Arizona with a Chinese medicine and acupuncture practice. Training and background, uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, I went to school for Chinese medicine in 1995, so I've been doing it half my life. Um, went straight from college into uh, graduate school. Um, that part of it, uh, you know, led me into all of the things that I do now at my office, practicing acupuncture, um, all the various therapies associated with uh, Chinese medicine. Great. And what if you had a specialty in acupuncture? I know you do some treatment of some people who are in four, stage four cancer, but also you also have some other specialties. Yeah. So, um, well, maybe I can uh, jump a little bit to uh, uh, before all of that came to be as far as my specialty goes. And I, I jokingly a uh, answer that question with, I started my career actually working for the mafia. And, oh, no. <laughs> uh, and uh, this is uh, maybe a little unusual. And I, I say it tongue in cheek, but um, after I finished school, um, there's not a lot of gigs waiting for you as an acupuncturist. And uh, if this is anything for your audience to maybe uh, take home, um, and when we use the term accidental success, which I actually, I like that a lot, um, this is an antidote to what we would call the business structures. I'm not a business major. I didn't learn anything about business. I'm a philosopher by training. Uh, that's what my better. bachelor's degree is in. <laughs> Great. Um, and so Chinese medicine fell into my lap for a variety of other longer stories um, uh, following um, a bachelor's degree. Um, but you mean you didn't intend for meaning, that to happen? Yeah, all of this on some level is not based on some genius that I have for structuring a business with the vision of how you're going to make a, a lot of money and, and building into that. This was really um, uh, taking the way that the waves of life would come at you and being able to adapt to all the different ups and downs that came. And to the degree you want to uh, go down those ups and downs and all the fun I've had, I'm happy to share those stories. Well, too. I, I'm excited. And I think that's of great value to a lot of people because I think we we have a philosophy that you come up with a business plan and you take that business plan to a banker and the banker blesses it or an investment group and they invest in your, in a business right. to help you start up and that you're going to follow this well planned out correct method and yeah. my experience as a CPA as I've talked to a lot of clients that's not how it always has worked out people have an idea so. You got your tr education and yep. training, and and what, what I did led have you? an idea. So there was there was an idea there. Uh -huh. Yeah, um, and then um, re remember at, at when I and if I had known this information when I actually went to school for Chinese medicine, I probably would not be sitting here. But um, at the time of my graduation in 1998, 99, um, five percent of acupuncturists went on to have a successful business. Wow. 
And I didn't Only know that at the time. Only right. 5%. So you well, can they don't tell you that or you wouldn't. They do not inform you of that when you call the school <laughs> right, and you're like, you hey, the tuition, I'm interested gonna... in this acupuncture gig. And it sounds really interesting. There's a lot of things that are really meaningful. I think, you know, this is very interesting, but they don't they don't advertise that portion of it. So, um, so how did you find your way, though? I mean, it, when you did learn at 5%, well, I mean, it's quite a statement. Well, that I you're... learned that afterwards. And, and not knowing something is sometimes better than knowing something. <laughs> Ignorance and maybe is that's part of this story is... Um, you know, f- from that, uh, there's not like there's a job waiting for you. When you finish school, you hope you hang your shingle. You hope that, um, you know, people actually enjoy your services. They appreciate what you do. They get better and they come back. I mean, that's pretty basic business model right. on that front. Um, but most people, you know, when you go in and you take out loans and you have a nice chunk of change, you're going to be paying back. You got to make some money. Um, but the only place you could get a gig back in 1999 was in New York. And really? that's why I jokingly and not so much say that I got a job working at a pain clinic, um, basically in the Bronx um, in uh, New York City, and uh, packed Mary up after uh, we had uh, kind of befuddled around and lingered and didn't know what to do and uh, ended up in New York City where uh, this was seeing 50 patients a day. Wow. I mean, just, it was a total factory. Wow. Um, but I got a, you know, straight out of school, I was getting- A lot of experience. I was getting 50 bucks an hour and, uh, <laughs> and a lot of experience. Um, and one day when the, the FBI showed up, um, I said, um, see you later. And that was the end of it. Oh, but let's the, hear about the, the, the FBI. Uh, yeah, so was, that was a little intimidating at that point. But long story short, um, I went into, and that was one of the next uh, best moves that happened to me, which gets me back to where we got into the specialty, which is that I mostly do Primarily for the last 18, 19 years, I've done reproductive health. And I've seen um, really thousands of people and couples looking to start um, or grow their families. And that's kind of my niche as it's been here in Scottsdale. Um, and uh, um, and then as you initially started, there is a, an area of where I see patients who are going through cancer treatment well. And, and we do treatments specifically to help them through portions of the treatment that they are getting. So that's a pretty scary start to a career to have these great ambitions to help people, but to see the FBI showing yeah, Well, up. exactly. And so the funny part of it is, you know, as this waspy kid from California who imagines he's a do-gooder and he's going to fix everyone. And, you you know, you find out that by the time you see this one guy for the third time, but he has a different name and you go... Oh, okay. This isn't right. <laughs> and he's not really here to heal anyway. So, oh. um, but it was an interesting uh, adventure uh, nonetheless. So, but, And I think all of our experiences help us. Absolutely. So yep. I, I have a question, you know, and against this maybe anti-business plan idea, but I, I can't <laughs> help but ask, <laughs> but ask, a, you know, someone from California, what was your approach to marketing when you came to Scottsdale? So I got here and um, it, funny enough, um, again, not with any kind of business background with some basic stuff. Um, I happened to meet, and many of this is, again, accidental stuff where I met this gentleman who, this is 2002, and I don't know if everyone had a website then, right? You know, I don't know if anyone was walking around with a website, but I met this guy at Starbucks in Fountain Hills when we first finally landed here. And um, when we got here, I ran into this gentleman and he was a really sharp guy and he was very kind. He built me a website. We just just became friends. He built me a website. And uh, that in and of itself kind of started things uh, going. But um, And that was under the name AccuHealth, AZ, right? You got it, exactly. Because AccuHealth had taken, so we had to add the AZ onto it even back then. 
But more to your point than um, how I have built my business um, from a practical standpoint was I knew on some level that um, that physicians were going to be my friends and physicians who had um, moved beyond the only way of thinking of how they've learned medicine, but had some understanding that wellness uh, was something they wanted their patients to, to experience and that drug therapy isn't the only answer to a number of the things that we have. So I went out after getting my new office. Had you ever been to my old office? Yes, yeah, I was. I've known you that yeah, long. Yeah, it's been a long time. Okay, so you remember that one with there, and I'm sitting there. This is literally the first or second day I'm sitting there. And I'm like, oh, the phone's not ringing. I don't have any patients. I have to come up with 2,400 bucks, 3,400, you know, a month for this <laughs> fancy spot. Well, I better get out here and do something. So I went out and I just started introducing myself. I literally went office to office. I went to a chiropractor's office, physician's office. I started going, you know, this is long time pre-COVID. So you could just walk in say hello and, uh, right. you know, do all that kind of stuff. And literally the next day I had my first patient, which was a referral. And that guy came and he sent me his aunt. And then uh, it just it literally just started to grow from there. That's interesting because I think so often we think there's some magic formula to marketing, but I think right. it's, it's a, more about awareness and then you have to be good because you have to deliver on the expectations Absolutely. that are there. Well, I learned from New York because after I had to leave the, uh, <laughs> the criminal organization and actually go start my practice in New York, which I had for two years oh, okay. before 9-11 and we had to hightail it out and decided to come out to Scottsdale. Um, I had had the experience of paying for marketing, for paying for guys handing out flyers on the street. I'd paid for some other advertisement in some magazine. Nothing, zero, nada. And then after I paid this guy, I think I paid him cash. He was handing out flyers and stuff. I went into a bar and I was having a, a beer after that. And this guy was sitting next to me. We started talking. He told me about his back. And the next thing I know, that guy became a patient. I knew that this was one-on-one. -on -one. This was, I know you. And people are not driving around going... Gee, yeah. I really who am I going to go, go see? It's because they know you and they know somebody who knows you and they were referred. And, oh, I had that problem and this person helped me. That's how, that's how all of this got started. Right. I, I, in fact, that's how I found you. I had some friends in the horse industry and we were around at a dinner party and I had moved to Arizona from Utah and I had been being treated in Utah through acupuncture. And I asked does anybody know? And some someone who you treated for something other than what my ailment was, but I, I was a firm believer. But I, I came across it a different way. I was in an accident in France and I ended up injuring my arm and I was treated in the emergency room with acupuncture. Yeah, how about that? Huh? Who would imagine, who would right, imagine that, that that would be yeah. mainstream? You wouldn't see that necessarily in the United States. No, you wouldn't. Not yet anyways, but things are continuing to, and, to progress. And I remember as he was treating me, I was asking him how it works and he's kind of looking at me oh, like- Oh, well, you know. Yeah, no, he just said, you'll never understand. Uh, you <laughs> Even though you speak some French. Yeah. He didn't say, you American. <laughs> no, he didn't do that. Okay. But you know what? I thought maybe I'd broken my arm. They took an x-ray, no. And then he treated me with acupuncture. And, and I noticed later that day, the swelling went down. I could move my hand again. So my arm French was fine. through Vietnam um, became associated and they oh. picked up acupuncture uh, through that uh, area. And yeah, and I thought, well, if it's good enough, they have a good healthcare system. If it's good enough to use in the emergency room there, I wasn't as afraid of it here. But once you become aware of the benefits, then it's a matter of trusting who you go to as well. Because totally. if there's a reason there's only... 5% that succeed, how do you overcome 
that. There's got to be a way that you intentionally make sure you educate your clients. Well, and by succeed, I mean support a family and support a mortgage and support right. a not actual, a hobby. Do it yeah, out of do, not do the, it out of your not out of the side of your house or you know some. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know where it was the professional practice of Chinese medicine applied across all disciplines of of health and was 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 something that was respected and people would come to and pay for. Yeah, you know, speaking of that, paying for, you know, one of the premises of one of my businesses that I had was that you can own for less than rent and that a professional like you who spent a lot of time and effort getting an education should have more to show for it at the end of the day than just a good practice that pays you, that you can build a retirement by owning your building. How I know you own yours. You didn't buy it from me because I didn't develop where you're in yeah, Scottsdale. But I looked at some of yours. So, you did. Yeah, looked at some I looked at a second <laughs> clinic down there, yeah. But- how how did you go about that? What 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 went into your mind to even look? Uh, well, at some level, I knew that Scottsdale was home, and that this is where I was going to build my I was going to stake my claim here, so to speak, and make my business grow, and have my family here, and get it going. Um, once that had been kind of like this is the direction, then I knew that um, I had to build in some type of um, thing that would allow me to build some equity into something so that I had something at the end of, you know, 25 years of doing this to show for it. Right. So, um, but again, back to the accidental success, part of that, that was, um, again, with some chagrin and maybe a bit of embarrassment, I, I tell these <laughs> stories because these aren't things that you want to necessarily do, but they actually well, And happened. you may not admit to them either, but uh, the uh, nice thing is they happened. They, they happened to all of us. They did. And at one point, someone had came to work on my credit card machine. And then somehow the neighbor for three months got all my, my American Express money. And I'm so, I was so not cognizant of my <laughs> ins and outs in this. You weren't uh, missing those deposits, uh, uh, apparently. <laughs> some, well, I, I was, but it was more like I was so focused on other things that uh, those went by the wayside. But there was a point where I went, what the heck happened here? And because probably I'm not the greatest saver and the greatest, you know, how do you structure and do all this, the things the right way. Um, that was almost put in like a bank account for me, you know, in a way that- <laughs> Forced uh, savings. The forced savings, so to speak. And and literally that became the deposit uh, I was able to get an SBA loan for that in 2008, um, well, one thing I had a, a patient, a client who, like you, was a, a, a CPA and, and very successful man. And he had come in and six months before the crash in 2008, he told me what was going to happen. He worked in the building industry and knew Pulte Homes and on the board of all these things. And he's like, Robert, I like, your, I like you. You're a good guy. I like what you do, but you have a cash business. And when the shit hits the fan, you better get yourself ready. Right. And I was like, what? what do you mean? What do you yeah. mean? And, and he was basically in January, this is what's going to happen. And for all the reasons we now know that the stuff happened. And um, so I, I just wanted to build in something that secured uh, something. And in 2008, I found a, a property that was the perfect location, perfect size, and was able to get, in, get into that. So right. it's been real fortunate. And I think it's one of those things that you build a retirement because Absolutely. you can't necessarily plan on selling your practice. There's some businesses that are easily sold. But no, and you, you're right on point there because I've discovered acupuncture businesses are not exactly sale, sellable, saleable um, in the way that you imagine some other successful med like medical doctors sell a lot of money. Right. And this doesn't because translate that way. You don't get out of 20, 25 <laughs> years. You don't get what you put into it. Right. And so you better have something else. Uh, right. So uh, there's got to be plan. more than just earning your living yep. and, and supporting a family. There has to be assets that are growing. Exactly. Yeah. So um, 
on on some level, I mean, maybe even it was even you on some level that got me thinking on those things, and I can't go directly to my it memory was subliminal. bank. Subliminal, subliminal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I exactly. doubt. I, I doubt yeah. it. <laughs> I doubt it. I think you probably had a good mind, and I think that's probably. Sometimes we just have instinct, and sometimes yeah. our instincts may serve us. We may be embarrassed sometimes with the things we do, but we have to look at what our strengths are, and you have to play to your strengths. And I think that's one thing that you mentioned that you do when you market. You have to instill the confidence of your patients in you, and that's what generates the referrals. You totally, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so tell me about a little bit about the reproductive. I mean, you've got uh, doctors referring you. What types of doctors and what have your experiences been? Because there's a certain balance to life where we can get out of balance. And I look at Chinese medicine or acupuncture as a, as a balance issue, balancing out energy, balancing out flow. Yeah, well, I think you're um, you're right on that it, the the principles of Chinese medicine are built around obviously those polarities of of yin and yang. And uh, that translated also to me, which maybe was a part of what I was thinking about, was always thinking about the balance between running a business and having family life, right? And I think that's a part of your, your podcast theme oh, yes. is on yeah. how do you do that? And maybe as an example, um, a friend of mine who um, started and runs uh, two very busy clinics in LA, he, he, he decided that working on Saturdays was going to be good for business. Mm -hmm. But when you have kids that want to play baseball on Saturdays, it's not so easy to uh, take that time off when you're seeing 30 patients a day and the income that brings uh, to your business. So, right. you know, I, I, on some level said, you know, I'm going to be here at these hours and I'm going to structure it. And I found that people respect those um, areas of if they really want to come in and they'll find a way to, to do it. To do it. Yeah. I, I found the same thing, especially for me as a CPA during tax season, people want to come in after hours late into the night. And I always manage that. No, not on Saturdays or weekends. And you know, only till a certain time in the evening because I wanted to be home, be with the family. Right. Those aren't easy things to do either. I, I could be no, open on Saturdays. No, because you think, oh, I can get more people. Absolutely, yeah. But the real secret is you don't. Yeah. You yeah, don't necessarily correct. succeed anymore by having by working more hours. You tend to burn out and you tend to have other things. So isn't that part of the secret to, as you help people get their lives back in order and, and achieve some of their dreams if they want to have a family and aren't having success in conceiving children, how, how are you able to help them? Well, in some level, that is where the rubber meets the road and that the decisions you make, for example, if I come in at noon on uh, you know Tuesdays and Thursdays, that means that on some level, I'm doing those health and wellness practices for myself that I would suggest to my, my patients if they're stressed out or not sleeping well or have whatever issues. And being able to build that in has also, I think, helped me a lot in being able to avoid burnout and, and all those issues that come up with it. Um, but on the the side of the reproductive medicine component, that was um, really on some level, like a lot of these things found me. And maybe I can tie this back to the uh, accidental uh, theory, the accidental <laughs> part of it. But um, and maybe it's not so accidental if you want to get more metaphysical. But the there's um, the philosopher in the, you coming uh, through <laughs> the part of it where. Uh, I had initially, I had, I had said, okay, no more uh, mafia, you know, acupuncture <laughs> <laughs> clinics for me. And I was um, in New York City. I was crossing um, the street um, in Union Square. And I had just finished a chapter um, in the Huangdi Neijing, which is the Yellow Emperor's classic of internal medicine. It's the oldest medical book in the world. Wow. 
And in the chapter I had just finished was an outline of the conversation between the chief, his chief physician, um, the Yellow Emperor's physician, and and uh, Chibo. Um, and the Yellow Emperor. And in that conversation, they outline the seven-year life cycle transformation. So women go through seven-year hormonal life cycle transformations. And 7, 14, 14, the dew of heaven arises. 21, the wisdom come in. 28, the height of your... So I'm standing in Union Square. I just finished this chapter on seven-year life cycles. And I'm standing there. This bus pulls right up in front of me. And I read the sign on the side and the public health department had done a, um, a public health announcement and it says past 35, a woman's fertility drops by 50%. And I'm like 35, 7, 14, 21, 28, 35. Well, that's statistically the mean average when endogenous sex hormones begin to drop. And you can, you know, and we think of in this culture as 35 is reasonably young, right. but um, biologically speaking, in terms of um, reproduction. Uh, your, your reproduction, they are no longer at the same level as they were even a few years earlier. And so there are these tipping points and the Chinese observed this 3000 years ago. Wow. And so I was there read, having just finished that chapter and then I'm looking at that. And then as all this comes to be as per your, you know, I, I met a guy not longer. How many times that, has this happened? Mom, this happened a few times. Okay, one was in a bar, one was in Starbucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one was in Starbucks. Well, I mean, yeah. So how do we account for these things, right? If, right. You're, if you're planning everything, right? you know, and, and that guy started probably, I think it is. And he, I think he even says it in his, on his website. I have been doing it for 24 years, specializing in reproductive medicine. I met that guy who started a practice specializing in reproductive medicine. Medicine. In New York. In New York. And at that same time, that same weekend, there was a woman, her name's Dr. Angela Wu. She runs probably the busiest acupuncture clinic on the West Coast for reproductive medicine. I went and took her class. And I'm not kidding you, it wasn't six months later, a study came out on the use of acupuncture and reproductive medicine where then my phone was ringing off the hook. Wow. And that's, that's how I got juicy um, uh, going in New York. And I had that all kind of going. And Mary and I were even looking at staying there and getting a house somewhere, you know, or going to Brooklyn or whatever. And then 9-11 happened. And 9-11 after that, we were like, you know what? I think we need to head back. We're not East Coast folks. That wasn't our right. place. Right. Hey, being from California, it's yeah. a whole different lifestyle. It's a different lifestyle, different everything. And we loved, we had a great time in, in New York, but then we were looking for the place. Where is the Shangri-La of, uh, you know, starting a family, building a business. And we, I, I went all, I went back to North Carolina. I did, we did a car trip from San Diego to Vancouver. We looked at Oregon. We, we really, you really looked. we knocked and we're sitting at uh, my, my family's home in uh, Lake Tahoe and a website on realtor.com. And I saw a house. And I was like, we're, this is after looking at, pieces of junk in the Bay area that were $700,000, you know? And I was like, wow, you get that house for that much? Like, <laughs> we drove down the next day. Uh, we've basically been here ever since. Wow. That's amazing. And I think what I love about the, what you're sharing with us is that really you can't plan this stuff and you have to go with what you know. You have to go with the opportunities that come your way. And I, I've always said this. I, in fact, I wrote a book. I never published it. Opportunity knocks. And I think you I like have that. to look at I like that title. You have to be able to look at where those opportunities are coming from and spot them. But you have to be looking, well, and that's what you did. Well, you can't. Just, they they hit you on side the head. How do you, you take that, Craig? Then what is that? What is the meaning of that? If we're not planning, what is it inside of us that 
that intuits, feels, senses, cognizes, and is able to move on and act on it's that. It's a need, right? Yeah. You were without. Yeah. You were you were kicked out of the clinic by the FBI, <laughs> right? And you're trying to figure out, I'm trying to make it in this world of not very many people succeed in my profession, so how am I going to specialize? And I think you become aware of that. You were, you were reading, you were doing what you always do to, to advance yourself, and ideas come. Yeah. And some stand out, and that's what I believe. I think there's a certain intuitive nature to us that we can call it inspiration, and that inspiration comes in many different ways. And why did that chapter stand out to you over, I don't know how thick that book is. Right, but, exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. And how did that coincide with meeting the people but, you I mean, met? As far as like business stuff, how, we, how do we listen to that, hear that, and then act on it um, without irrespective of, I have my plan, you right. know, here's the well, plan. Well, the plan gets in the way, and, uh, I can exactly, tell you Exactly, that. and you go left instead of right. The plan, or we live in a world where I think we spell business the same way you could spell busyness, and that is that we get so busy, we block that out. Totally. And I think that's part of your philosophical background may have led you to that, but I think for our audience, if there are those of us who tend to want to check things off on our planner and on our list, that there's sometimes there's a benefit to stepping back and being able to observe what's going on around you. And I think you've done that well, which is one of the reasons you're sitting in the chair you're well, sitting yeah, in Well, today. maybe, yeah, I, that may be an instinct in me, but for your listeners then, yeah, what does that mean for them to step back? You know, what is the stepping back move, you know, um, psychologically? What does that mean to simply witness and and maybe relax a little as opposed to trying to put a, a what is it, a square in a round hole? Yeah, you know? well, you know, that's true. But I think part of it is we have a Biz Sherpa scorecard and part of it, I try to get people that I consult with to look back and say, how where am I spending my time? And am I spending time at the things, at least 80% of my time at the things that make the biggest difference and impact on the lives of my customers or my patients? And if I can do that, then I'm then all the other busyness stuff, the other day-to-day um, -day really falls by the wayside. I'm able to focus on those things that make the biggest difference and changes in lives because I'm sure your success stories are a great motivation to you. There's a great, more than what you can charge someone for your procedures, it's got to bring a lot of joy because I've been in your office. I see the pictures in the book of the people who got treated by you and now are having families. Right. What's that feel like to you? So, because well, I think if we're focusing to answer your question, I think I'd like you to answer because I think there's a satisfaction that comes. Well, there is indeed, and I'd say, you know, what your intention is—that is what you want to create. You know, what you're looking to create, and if that is that on some level, someone who comes in who's suffering, and um, you are able to provide the information that allows them to move forward, to move to the highest level of their function. That ties together the key principle within Chinese medicine, which when I heard it, I said, I'm in the right place because it's a really interesting concept. But the number one thing for what the practitioner of Chinese acupuncture, Chinese medicine is to do is what's called nourishing destiny. And that is if on some level, people don't feel in alignment with what they are doing in this world, they'll suffer. They'll have some type of block, whatever you want to put it. And so the highest practice of Chinese medicine is on some level helping them become aligned with that so that they feel simpatico with, with something natural inside of them that they want to move forward on. 
That's interesting. Yeah. So I think that's great advice. I think you just gave it right there. We have to step back and feel it. what's natural. What are my talents? What yeah. are my skills? Am I trying, if I'm not an accountant, why am I trying to do the books in my business? Why don't I spend my time doing, if I'm a sales, good at sales, I should be selling. Right, yeah. I should be meeting with my customers, not sitting in the back accounting for what came in and what's going out the door. And I think that's that alignment we all have to find. And I think it takes getting to know what your strengths are. So how do you recommend to business owners, being one, to keep that healthy life balance? Um, well, a lot of it is you got to, you know, play around to see what's going to work for you. And maybe some people are more ambitious in ways that, uh, they do better by, um, you know, going crazy and working, and long wor- hours. working it out and doing that. And that's, isn't a, nothing against that. Um, uh, it's only to the degree that then you're getting feedback that, you know, you're getting high blood pressure or you're not sleeping well and all of those things. Those are pretty, um, clear cut, um, uh, signals that that's out of balance. I think I, I heard it one time from Carol when I, I, in addition to my CPA practice and doing real estate development, I was asked to testify in Congress in Washington, D.C. and was put on a number of boards. And Carol said to me, you're going to, our kids are going to grow up really quickly and they're not going to know who their dad is. And I think that comment right there made me step back. Mm -hmm. It caused me to step back and look, where am I spending my time? And where does this lead? It may give me some kudos professionally, but... At some point, we have to define our own success, not what the world or other people would define us as. Absolutely. You literally just pulled the quote out of the thing I was thinking about. I have to pull this one out because this is a patient of mine who sent this to me this morning. Really? I wrote it down just because I was like, oh, it was so, it was really, really Oh, I want to hear that, man. The most destructive thing I've ever done is believing someone else's opinion of me. Wow. Huh? And I think that's right. We have to form, we have to know, and we have to set our boundaries. And it's the same thing. How do we define success? You asked the question, how do you know if you're destroying, (laughs) you know, how, how do you know if you're on track? And I think you have to set a number. You had a friend you gave the example of in California running two clinics and working on nights and weekends. Sometimes I think it's a matter of saying, all right, here, I can control my expenses. Right. And I can some degree control my income. And so I just need to figure out what's the formula that brings me what I need sufficient for what my needs are and allow me to build a retirement and experience success or happiness. That's the sweet spot, yep. Yeah, and I think sometimes we get clouded because the world would define success as more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, then you have to, on some level, know what your values are. Right. And if you accept the world's values, that might be not right. Because, a great but idea. what is more? And there's yeah. always somebody that'll have more. I always say that somebody that's smarter, somebody's brighter, somebody with more money. You're never going to be, if you're measuring against somebody else, there's always going to be somebody with more than you. And I think it's one of the problems we have in society today. We report earnings and it has to be increase in sales. Are they growing sure, yeah. the business? What's wrong with maintaining the business right. to some yeah. degree? Well, yeah, you're not going to get hired with that uh, uh, if you're looking for a corporate job. But uh, <laughs> no, definitely but, not. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would be san- sanity. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, you you also mentioned that you know people need to find the way to to take away the destructive or the blocking in their lives. What role does acupuncture play in helping stress relief and helping Uh, find 
energy? That's a good question. Um, first, uh, let's start so that we, your guests um, listening, don't think this is any kind of woo-woo um, uh, way of understanding when we use the term energy, right? Because um, uh, what do we call a body with no energy? Dead. It's called a cadaver. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so when you understand biologically that uh, you as an animated living being, what I fancifully call a biodegradable space-time suit, that <laughs> you have um, 17 trillion batteries, right? Um, which we call your mitochondria. And um, it moves through the uh, piezoelectricity through the fascial matrix within your body. Um, and acupuncture is a tool. Um, and I think specifically to your question, you're asking about kind of balancing out the nervous system. Is that what you're yeah, asking about? Yeah. Or with energy, right? Energy, yeah. De depression or lack of energy Absolutely. or stress overload. Yeah. So when you be uh, when you look at this from uh, the point of really physics and evaluate that when you we say we have lots of energy, right? We feel good. We have clear thinking, um, good appetite. Um, all the different things that we call having energy, those generally translate into quality of health and quality of life. When that starts to become depleted, um, and especially you could say that one of the one of the places that uncorks um, how much you can hold a charge in your cells is stress. So the perception of um, threat, on some level, when people walk around with that, either due to the variety of issues, you know, um, uh, perceived or or real, um, the majority of them are in this case perceived, right? They're kind of structures in right. our mind in which we perceive and anticipate events that are threatening. Right. I'm my and, own worst enemy. I, I project into the future Correct. bad things, and so all the anticipatory fear thinking. And I'd say that's a habit that, on some level, is built in and how we literally train our children and how we um, um, uh, go through the education system. And so I think um, acupuncture then is a fantastic tool that helps do two things, both as I appreciate and bring to the, to the experience of an acupuncture visit is really teaching people how to learn how to not follow the habit of anticipatory or fear thinking and how to learn to have more um, uh, uh, meditative capacity for surrendering the, to the unknown and being capable of being in the present moment to the degree that they they can really move from there into their life's experience as opposed to being in the um, spinning of their, their fear thinking. And acupuncture as a physical tool helps facilitate greater communication throughout all systems, but acts on a, a system called the pregnenolone steel effect. Is that something? Oh, that's a long, that's okay. a long statement. So all, I don't describe that, but help describe that, but a little bit. The, the conversion kind of, of basically adrenaline and cortisol. If you run on adrenaline and cortisol, um, you systematically um, shrink blood vessels throughout the entire venous system. And obviously this organ right here requires a lot of oxygen. Now you do that long enough and you, uh, uh, you will end up um, going to see the cardiovascular physician. Oh, okay. And so that um, if people who are running on chronic stress, acupuncture acts as a tool to mitigate that so that you actually convert your um, adrenaline and cortisol to become your endogenous sex hormones. So this is another avenue through which both the stress of infertility affects um, uh, these things, but overall quality of life is depleted dramatically when people are in a constant state of um, anxiety and perceived threat.
And I think we all have moments like that in our life. And so it's being able to identify those moments to either call and get help or find ways to, to be able to turn that Absolutely. off and, and, and become more present. What's the point project? if you have more and you're you know stressed out and not sleeping? I mean, so to be successful then ultimately is finding the mindset that can appreciate the beauty of what's right in front of you. And if that's not available to you, I can guarantee you it's not going to happen because you have more. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious as to this whole idea of depletion and being stressed out. If you're treating patients with stage four cancer, mm -hmm. for instance, yeah, what do you learn from them? Because I'm sure they're they're going to be spending some time with you, and some of them you have a good manner about you. I'm sure they start talking about things yep. that are important to them. You bet. Yeah. What are some of the things you've learned? Uh, from some of your patients, because I, I I admire you. You're in a key position to hear some really insightful moments. I had a friend that had cancer, and he was able to be brutally honest with me about a lot of things in his life. And I, I, I learned a lot. It's one of the most educational processes. I became his friend for the year and a half that he was had left in his life. Yep. Um, well, the first thing that you learn is everyone has a story and um, appreciating that they aren't a, they aren't cancer in that sense, that they are a living being with a story. And when you, you know, behave and respond to them in that moment like that, uh, cancer doesn't exist. You know, it's there, obviously, right. and we're there to help biologically and help to treat that and do all those things. But when you're just in conversation with someone and you get to hear their fears or their worries or concerns, or even get to hear their amazing story of their life, of the things they've done in organic farming um, from people who have been in Vietnam. I mean, it's oh, just, really? I, I just like memories pop up and I can tell you of just people who tell me they're, you know, and you get to be privileged to actually hear their story. And, and again, with all of the hope that I have that what we do is going to be helpful in the context of the treatments they are receiving for them to live healthier, longer, or, or get the benefit from those things. Right. This isn't just about them, you know, telling me their story, but um, in that sense, it's a privilege. And I think I've learned to um, listen more than anything else and get to just, um, you know, anything that they want to tell me that's, that they find. And um, you, get to, you get to see some amazing people. And some people that struggle, some people that are afraid or in pain and all that stuff. Right. So how do you do that? I mean, I think one of the successes for business owners is building relationships, whether that's your referral network you right betcha. at the beginning with your patients or your clients. But how do you establish that rapport? I, you know, um, uh, I think the first part of it is is listening. Um, and the rapport that someone recognizes that I'm not thinking about something else when I'm about to do acupuncture with them, you know? So it's That's not interesting. Like, My wife always know. tells stories about she can tell whether she's going to have an interaction with someone or not. If they're reaching out to shake her hand and they're looking yeah, for the next absolutely. person to talk oh, to. Hi. Yeah, you know, politician <laughs> style or whatever it is. Like, right. On some level, the only thing we have that's free as human beings is our attention. And where do you want, can you place your attention in the moment in a way that you welcome the other person's presence? And if you can do that on some level, that's a, um, that's a mutuality. It's an exchange where people instantly know, okay, 
you know, I'm here as opposed to I have to be here. I have to do that. I've got other things to do. And I'm not saying I don't get busy and get distracted on occasion, but if you can deliver on that in terms of just, if this is for acupuncture students listening out there, that can be one, one tool you can use is learn how to not be, um, addicted to your, your thinking, but just practice being in your body and learning how to use your breath as a way to, um, enter into the present moment. So you can just be there. But I think that's with anybody in any business. Absolutely, across the board. Yeah, yeah I think it, it, yep. if if you sense that someone's more concerned about what they're getting out of it, you're less likely to do business with them. Yeah. So when you're genuine and you're real, they can be genuine and real too. Then you understand the need and then you can fulfill that need because that's the basis of exchange. Somebody comes to you when you have a business, whether your business is healthcare or your business is selling suits, if they have a need, they come to you to fulfill that need. And if you're better able to understand that need, you're going to find something that delivers greater satisfaction to them, better than... And then it doesn't become about price. It doesn't become about the transaction. It becomes about the interaction. Sorry, you triggered a memory. Now you yeah, dropped no, no, me go back ahead. to the Bronx there, and it just made me laugh when I was in the Bronx. <laughs> this guy would come by, literally a truck would pull up, and the back this guy would hop off and go, suits, we got suits for sale. This <laughs> guy would come into the middle of the clinic, you know, with the suits, and they're like, ah, you want, where'd those come from? Oh, they fell off a truck somewhere. Yeah, right. Suits. <laughs> <laughs> I bought one. I bought one. Bought one? Do you still have it? I was, I was Trump for, uh, for Halloween last night with that suit. With that yeah, suit. <laughs> I, was a, I was a good 20, 25 pounds heavier back in New York eating lots of bagels. And so, yes, yeah, so I still have that suit that I bought off the rack of the back of a truck in the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. I think that's great. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm interested to know, because uh, I know you personally, and I think this is kind of part of this, what I've seen as I've interviewed people on this podcast is that a lot of them come back to becoming friends with the people they do business with and their patients and their clients. And while that has its boundaries, you practice something in your personal life, and I think it translates to doing that. And that is, I've noticed that you take family vacations. And that, what role does that play in keeping balance? Oh, well, one, you need to go on vacation. <laughs> and two, you can't leave the kids behind, take care of themselves. So, um, <laughs> hey, watch the dog, we'll be back. <laughs> exactly, watch the dog and try not to get in trouble. Um, yeah, I mean, it's fun. Uh, we've come up with some good family vacations that uh, uh, we've enjoyed over the years. Some of them have become traditions. And uh, I'd say planning for those are things I look forward to, the fall break here in Arizona to get out and go to California. Um, is one of our favorites because um, the weather's so beautiful, and so we have a good uh, good time finding uh, time to go share some time with the kids and stuff. Yeah. And then I also noticed that I mean, as we've visited through the years, as you've treated me, you've talked about golfing with your son, mm. the different sports, mm. basketball. Yeah, you bet. What's that like? How important is that, and what you role know, does that play for you? Craig, I think on some level, I don't fully appreciate the, I have it pretty good in terms of I, when you point these things back out to me, I go, yeah, that's pretty good that I can yeah. go on a, you know, a Wednesday if I'm done at two and we can go play the back nine at the TPC, you know, or that uh, those things are available to us. And um, I hope I don't take it for granted, but those are things that I've tried to build in to uh, 
being able to um, make that, um, you know, my priority, you know. And I think that's important because a lot of times people say, hey, I started a business so I can have all this free time. Well, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to spend 20 years struggling to uh, get to where I have enough money so I can have the free time. Free time, time. exactly. Yeah. yeah, right. But you have to kind of build that in because you can't. I think so. I think it is kind of you have to, on some level, irrespect and again, this is people sometimes they are not can't leave their office so i get it i'm not trying to you know i don't want to sound like some right but, ignorant but maybe there's some things they can change so they can maybe, leave their again office. and i don't know all of the i've never worked in corporate life so I, i'm i maybe i can't even comment on how no that no, no works, this is but, about entrepreneurship uh, and so i'm trying to get the people out of corporate oh, life nice. to be able okay, well, to, to be able to accidentally the, yeah, succeed <laughs> to hell with the corporate if you work at a corporation get the hell out of there because <laughs> you ain't going anywhere so and if you think your money at the end of the golden rainbow is going to save you no, you got to enjoy it now. And if, you, if you're not able to enjoy it now, you're not going to enjoy it then. Uh, again, on, building in those things are really reflections of your values. And, um, and if you can uh, start to put those into practice, and um, it's not practice, it's just life, you know? I want to play golf on uh, 2 o'clock on Wednesday uh, with my son. Right, uh, and look forward to or that. Or 3 o'clock, I guess he's done <laughs> at school at 2.30. Right. or something. Right, but do you see those things you have to build in and I you think do. that's part of the balance you and do. you have to be intentional. And I might not have done that when it was starting out, you know. I, no, the first I had two or to, three years yeah. probably not. Yeah, exactly. Or And you know, and you use your house as a bank account so you can pay the, you know, uh, pay your rent. <laughs> right, yeah, there you go. <laughs> also not good business practices. <laughs> but I, you know, I had a, a, a guy tell me when I was working for another CPA firm, I went to deliver his tax return to him and he came out. And when I came out to talk to him, I don't know why he shared the story. He goes, you know, I used to be a CPA and he, I gave him his tax return. And he said, you know, when I started my practice 30 years ago, 35 years ago, he said, I went to get a, a loan to get a line of credit so that I could make sure I had enough to cover the expenses in the first couple of years. And so I gave my pro forma business plan to the banker and the banker, a few days later, I stopped in and he said, the banker told me, no, I'm not going to approve your loan. Right. And, and he said, do you mind if I ask why? He goes, yeah, I don't see anything in budgeted for vacation. <laughs> I am not going to lend to you if you're going to burn out. <laughs> that's pretty good. Wow. And so for me, that's stuck in my mind. Uh -huh. And so I think you're right. You have to, you have to plan for that. And, yeah. and you have to allow for that. You allow for it in your pricing. You allow for it in your hours. You allow for it in other ways that can... Uh, can afford you those opportunities because it does business ownership offers great freedom, right. but you don't have one boss. You have how many patients? 3000 patients are all of a sudden your boss. Yeah. And so you have to be responsive to that. Well, what are some of the things that you do that help you sharpen your focus? Some of the things that help me, well, the last year has not been the greatest with all this stuff going on, but a lot um, of distractions, a lot of distractions, and a lot of things that, again, um, yeah, when this all kind of came about, uh, and I got an uh, email from my brother that you know, 2.5 million people are going to be dead, and you better close your practice, and you can't see anybody, and you know, when the Oxford epidemiologist came out with all of that, you know, like, oh my God, this is I might be the end of my business. I mean, I'm a cash business and I'm one-on-one -on -one with people. And if that's not going to be allowable, and if I'm considered to be non-essential, which I wasn't fortunately, um, you know, this could put at risk uh, everything I've built. And right. another point at which- um, That's you know, an awakening a, moment. Awakening moment. And, you know, um, 
I'm sorry. Tell me again. What was your question? Well, well I'm just trying to say, how do you sharpen your focus? Oh, sharpen your focus. Well, um, I think you, sometimes you just, uh, I doubled down and worked with what was succeeding, but there were other, again, I mean, on some level there's luck involved too. You can include. Plus to the whole accidental <laughs> success, so, right? On some level, <laughs> I mean, what if you had been, what if I had been deemed non-essential, they close your business, you can't be open at that point, you know, you put yourself in legal, uh, um, positions and the fact that it was able to stay open, um, even though it slowed down, I was probably 60, 70% down, you know, um, uh, I guess you just uh, go back to um, maintaining that sense of um, being hungry and uh, and wanting to uh, keep building something and not going to let let go of it. Um, so there's a degree of tenacity, I guess, in that. Um, and I, I feel on some level I'm still as hungry as when I kind of jumped into this, maybe even more so. And, and what is that hunger for? Is that hunger for financial success or no, is there something more to it? No, again, I think you and I have mentioned this. You can't put the, um, the, uh, cart in front of the horse. And if your motivation is that you want to make money, you can only be successful in my opinion, relative to being interested in what it is you're doing. Right. Um, that then makes, leads to. <laughs> that coming in. And in our culture, we teach kids that they need to get a job that allows them to make lots of money, even if it's some crappy job that you're not suited for and isn't really uh, something that you enjoy. And I don't know about you, but, you know, maybe death is a good teacher. Maybe death is a good focuser. Maybe it's that I remember that this biodegradable space time soon isn't going to be here. And if you want to be around stage four cancer patients, they certainly do teach you that, that, um, you know, they were perfectly fine at 46 years old guy coming in. And this is now four months later, he had stomach pain. He was, has three kids, uh, living his life, went into urgent care. They said, you have cancer everywhere in your body. And I, he's already passed. So, you know, so yeah. think about I, that's and, one way to sharpen your focus. Yeah. My it mother, was, kill, morbid, my mother but, was killed in a car accident yeah. at a fairly young age. And so you don't know when that's going to come. So I guess that helps sharpen your focus. But I think one thing that you said is it can't be all in the financial results. There has to be an exchange on a, on a personal level that takes place that gives you some emotional reward for what you're doing. And I, and I think it's fair to say in the healthcare, maybe that's more realizable, but I think it's translatable totally across the board in any business. I think so too. And I think that's what we should be shooting for. And as we do that, and I think you embody that, I think that's one of the great strengths to uh, being in business is you get to have that emotional reward for owning that business that made a difference in somebody's life. It's, it's a great blessing. And you can do that as an employee too. So I'm not going to yeah, totally yeah. knock you're the right. whole corporate yeah. world, but <laughs> you but. can. You can, and how you're being of service in ways above and beyond what you do for work necessarily, but in ways that are in your community and other things too. So, right. You know, I have amazing patients that show me things all the time, and they do really cool stuff. Oh, that's pretty neat. Well, great. Well, there's you can't come to the Sherpa's Cave and not leave without having answered one really important question with a follow-up, and that is, what is your greatest failure? Hmm. Greatest failure. Well, I've had lots of small failures, but I'd say um, one that was uh, challenging was um, after finishing school, I made a 
concerted effort to try to make it back to California. And uh, part of what was unique at in California is you actually had to take a separate test from the national test, um, which gave you access to practicing basically anywhere in the U.S. But California had its own licensing exam, and for me to go Not back to, to exactly um, for me to make it back to California, I had to go take that. And uh, um, you know, did my thing and studied for it and went in and and failed the first one and missed it by two questions. Oh wow. Painful. <laughs> and this is after having spent, you know, $80,000 and now I have loans coming up and now I'm, you know, supposed to be a practicing master acupuncturist and now I'm waiting tables again, um, you know, just trying to make a living, living at my in-law's house uh, and, and really um, then gearing up to go do it again. And I go back again and I failed it again by two questions. And at that point, I was like, oh, you know, this is, I'm, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do here. Sometimes and, there's divine destiny, well, but I'm not so, saying go so, to work for the mafia. So, is so well, so here you go. So it felt like that putting, again, the, what is it, that the uh, square peg into the circle and, and banging my head against it, where then I had to kind of surrender that that wasn't maybe in my, uh, in my future in ways that were kind of difficult because I didn't, my kids haven't grown up with their grandparents and that sort of thing. So there were definitely sacrifices that came with that. But on some level, um, uh, that was definitely a struggle for, for a while until something kind of came on and I saw, this was in the newspapers when people read newspapers, <laughs> a thing for a come work for the mafia <laughs> at, this, at this clinic and we'll pay you 50 bucks an hour. And you're like, hey, great. I'm out of here. So, uh, yeah. And my best friend had moved there. So a lot of things worked out afterwards. So what did you but, learn from that? Um, I think on some level, uh, you can take it kind of two ways. There are other ways where sometimes you got to keep banging. Sometimes you got to go take it a third time. And sometimes maybe that is part of your, if you felt that and if you were into that and if that was, and you go take it a third time and until you, you damn well conquer that thing right and maybe i feel like i still that was like i just didn't didn't do it or i, I gave up but on some level but you can't second guess i, I that can't now. second guess that now but you know it worked out but uh um i'm blessed that you know some of these things that have been failures on the surface turned out to be things that uh, played out for me in ways that i'm grateful for so and there we go that you know, there it is the true lesson of life the accidental success yeah Absolutely. Right, your career. You ended up in an area. I would say Scottsdale is a great area for what you do. Fantastic, yeah, and great for family time. Yep. Compared yep. to California, maybe the grandparents. Might All be a our, little farther our friends away. there, they generally work both two jobs. They both come home at six o'clock. You know, it's one of those things to build a life here. We've been very blessed. Um, Arizona is our home, and Scottsdale has been a real blessing for us too. That's great. Well, I love your stories. I think they're great, and I think they're. It's a great demonstration that if you care about people and you have a passion for what you do, that no matter how many times we may stumble, that the, that we kind of find our way and that I there is so. a destiny for us and we just need to find that. And sometimes we fight against it, but oftentimes, you know, if we f go with the flow, the accidents lead to greater success. And I appreciate you being here today, Robert. Oh, thanks, thanks for, for taking the time yeah. to come in. My pleasure. I really guests. enjoyed it. Nice this talking is, to you. This has been great. This is Craig Willett, the Biz Sherpa. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to go to our website to access the resources related to this episode at www.bizsherpa.co. If you enjoyed this show, tell your friends about us and be sure to rate our podcast. Craig would like to hear from you, so share your thoughts in the Facebook community at bizsherpa.co. 
Follow us on Twitter at bizsherpa underscore co and on Instagram at bizsherpa.co.